the maths of societal collapse. Mark Twain's quote, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes, is echoed by historian and complexity scientist Mark Twain. Twain's background in ancient history led him to establish the field of cliodynamics, which uses statistical methods, computational simulations, and other tools from evolutionary theory, physics, and complexity science to understand how complex systems change over time. Since 2011, Seshet, Global History Data Bank has been compiling an enormous amount of information about the past, storing it in a unique collection called Seshet. The goal is to gather as many examples of past crises, such as famine, disease outbreaks, civil wars, and even complete collapse, to find out what drove these societies into crisis and what frustration. The current age of polycrisis, where social, political, economic, environmental, and other systems are deeply interrelated, is causing significant disruptions and extreme upheaval. Examples include the COVID-19 pandemic, volatility in global food and energy markets, wars, political instability, ideological extremism, and climate change. By looking back at past polycrises, we can try and figure out which societies coped best. One common pattern that has jumped out is extreme inequality and elite infighting. When big gaps exist between the haves and have-nots, not just in material wealth but also access to positions of power, this breeds frustration, dissent, and turmoil. Ages of discord produce some of history's most devastating events, such as the U.S. Civil War of the 1860s, the early 20th century Russian Revolution, and the Taiping Rebellion against the Chinese Qing Dynasty. Frustration bred anger, and eventually erupted into fighting that killed millions and affected many more. For example, the Roman Republic's 100 years of civil fighting was propelled by widespread unrest and poverty, leading to political camps taking increasingly extreme positions and vilifying opponents with intense language and vitriol. This animosity spilled over into the streets, where mobs of armed citizens got into huge brawls and even lynched a popular leader and reformer, Tiberius Gracchus. Inequality seems to be just as corrosive for the elites themselves, as the accumulation of so much wealth and power leads to intense infighting between them, which ripples throughout society. In the case of Rome, wealthy and powerful senators and military leaders like Julius Caesar seized on the anger of a disaffected populace and led the violence. This pattern also appears at other moments, such as the hatred between southern landowners and northern industrialists in the run-up to the U.S. Civil War and the struggles between the Tsarist rulers and Russia's landed nobility during the late 1800s. Wealth is typically related to power, as elites try to secure top positions in political office. The rise of elite competition and the subsequent tensions within society can be seen in various historical patterns, such as the college admissions scandal in the U.S. in 2019, where celebrities bribe their children to secure their future. In the UK, the honours system often rewards key allies, leading to increased competition and frustration among the masses. This competition usually rises during periods of high inequality, when large numbers feel frustrated and ready for change. When inequality takes root, conflict among elites ramps up, hampering society's ability to right the ship. Elites tend to capture the lion's share of wealth, often at the expense of both the majority population and state institutions. This leads to underfunding of vital public goods and welfare programs, 
exacerbated by the gap between the wealthy who can afford these services and the growing number who cannot. The structural demographic theory, developed by political scientist Jack Goldston, suggests that many fighting and grievances were driven by frustrated elites, not just the masses. The French Revolution, often seen as the archetypal popular revolt, was driven by frustrated elites finding it harder to get a seat at the table with the French royal court. The state had been losing its grip on the country for decades due to mismanagement of resources and entrenched privileges that the elites were fighting so hard to retain. This trend is similar to trends in the US, the UK, and Germany, where years of deregulation and privatization have rolled back gains made during the post-war period and gutted various public services. The richest 10% of households now control over 75% of the total wealth in the world, leading to tension and anger. Without adequate state capacity or support from elites and the general public, these countries may not have the resources to make reforms that could decrease tension, leading some commentators to claim a second U.S. civil war is looming. The age of polycrisis is characterized by the increasing frequency and scale of ecological disasters, as well as the interconnectedness of global production, food and mineral supply chains, economic systems, and the international political order. The war in Ukraine has affected global food supply chains and gas prices globally. Researchers at the Cascade Institute present a list of crises the world is facing today, including the lingering health, social, and economic effects of COVID-19, stagnation, geopolitical conflict, political instability, ideological extremism, political polarization, declining institutional legitimacy, and increasingly frequent and devastating weather events generated by climate heating. Historically, humans have faced similar threats on regional or transcontinental scales, such as ice ages, droughts, famines, unpredictable weather, and severe ecological shocks. For example, the Little Ice Age in Europe and Asia caused mass devastation and recurrent famine. In contrast, countries like South Korea and New Zealand managed to respond more effectively to the COVID-19 outbreak due to factors such as rapid disease identification, effectiveness of public health measures, demographic makeup, and social stressors. In countries like the US and UK, Pressures like inequality and partisan conflict were already high and growing in the years before the first outbreak. Large numbers of people in these places were impoverished and made particularly vulnerable to the disease, as political infighting left government response slow, communication poor, and often resulted in confusing and contradictory advice. The countries that responded poorly simply didn't have the social cohesion and trust in leadership needed to effectively implement and manage strategies to manage the disease. Instead, tensions were further inflamed and pre-existing inequalities widened. The research catalogues almost 200 cases of past societies experiencing a period of high risk, known as a crisis situation. Over half of these situations turn into civil war or major uprising, about 35% involve the assassination of a ruler, and almost 40% involve the society losing control over territory or completely collapsing. However, the research has found examples where societies were able to stop political infighting, harness their collective energy and resources to boost resilience, and make positive adaptations in the face of crisis. For instance, during a plague in ancient Athens, Officials helped organize quarantines and gave public support for medical services and food distribution. 
Even without our modern understanding of virology, they did what they could to get through a difficult time. We see also amazing feats of engineering and collective action taken by ancient societies to produce enough food for their growing populations. The Qing and other imperial dynasties in China constructed a huge web of granaries throughout their vast territory, supported by public funds and managed by government officials. This required a massive amount of training, oversight, financial commitment, and significant investment in infrastructure to produce and transport foodstuff all over the region. These granaries played a major role in providing relief when harsh climate conditions threatened the food supply. One of the most prominent examples of a country that faced crisis but managed to avoid the worst is England during the 1830s and 1840s. From the end of the 1700s, many of England's farmers had seen profits diminish, and the Industrial Revolution was in full swing. Many of England's powerful political elite came to support these demands, which led to significant reforms, such as regulations about worker safety, increased representation for the less wealthy, working-class people in Parliament, and the establishment of public welfare support for those unable to find work. Finding hope in the past is crucial, as trying to hold on to systems and policies that refuse to appropriately adapt and respond to changing circumstances usually end in disaster. The global polycrisis shows no signs of letting up, and if nothing changes, these crises may become end times too late. Learning from history means that we have the ability to do something different, relieve pressures that create violence and make society more fragile.